Chat is a podcast for health professionals delivering grassroots information and resources to support great quality diabetes care and education for people with diabetes across the health sector. I'm Kiralee Chambers, advanced practice pharmacist and credential diabetes educator. And I'm Jane Lehman, credential diabetes educator, registered nurse. You sounded like you didn't know who you I were there, <laughs> Jane. <laughs> gone on a little holiday for that moment. Hope not overseas. <laughs> no, no overseas for me. Or for anyone. Or for anyone. I think it's best if we all stay put in our own country mm. and, and uh, state. I think there's going to be a lot more travel in our own country mm. for mm. the foreseeable future. With COVID-19 stuff. Absolutely. Which is what we're talking about today, isn't it, Jane? We are. We're going to talk about what we think some of the changes are going to be post-COVID-19. We're going to do a little bit of belly button gazing, Kiralee. I don't think anyone wants to see anyone's belly button what is exactly does that mean someone said to me the other day the titles we come up for for our podcasts are really good and the reality is they just pop into my head most of the time they are pretty good and the belly button gazing that's just popped into my head so to that says to me you know just sort of contemplating your belly button and thinking about what the future will look like. So it's like a moment of contemplation. But belly button gazing sounds a lot funnier. Hmm, sounds interesting. And it gets people's attention. So that's why we're, we're doing the belly button gazing post-COVID-19. I saw a really interesting post on Facebook, which I have to share. Yeah. Someone had found a cave with all these new species of animals, etc. Strange things people do when they're self-isolating. Yes, I don't know how they found this cave. <laughs> but I had someone had put a post underneath it, and someone had copy and pasted the post plus the, the information about how they found all these new species. And someone had put on the post. I close that cave up. Do not investigate. 2020 is not the year for it. <laughs> so that's very funny. Well, I have to say, I think for all of us, 2020 has ended up being, left us all in a very strange place. And with so many people working from home and having to set new systems up overnight, basically, yes. to achieve that. I've never seen a period in history, certainly in diabetes care or healthcare, where it has been so easy to affect change. And that's had its positives and negatives. Yeah. Isn't it really? Yeah. So, yeah. what do you perceive to be some of the negatives, Joan, of the system setup? One of the big challenges, because we've had to limit the gathering of people, it means that if somebody has had to go to hospital or to a health service, they haven't been able to take people with them. Yes, that's very true. Because you were telling me about an incident you had with your mum yes where you weren't able to go with her yes. they were saying but because she's got memory issues she couldn't go without you yeah so I have to take my mum for an x-ray and when I rang the place I mean they were very good when I explained the situation but if I left my mum alone she wouldn't know where she was or how to get out which would cause her enormous anxiety trying to limit obviously the amount of people that go into an area mm. because of COVID-19 so that then stems a lot of issues issues for a lot, lots of people who need a support person. Um, that would be a huge problem, I would imagine, for people who can't advocate for themselves because the people that can't advocate for themselves then can't advocate for themselves. And so well, that exactly. causes lots of problems, doesn't it? Because the most vulnerable people, and not necessarily even the most vulnerable p- people, people with 
diabetes, for example, will often want to take a person into a consult room because there's a lot of information to take in a session, mm. particularly when they're newly diagnosed. I always encourage people, you would mm. probably be the same, to bring a support person with them. Yeah. And that shouldn't stop, I don't think, just because of COVID-19, but it opens up a whole problem with COVID-19 moving forward. Yeah, and I'm sure that we're going to see a big legacy effect from this. I'm sure that some of this is why people are putting off their other health reviews. Yes. Certainly people with intellectual disability or who are older who are self-isolating you know there's a whole lot of groups who are naturally going to stay at home more but of the others they're not going to go either because you've got everyone talking about how busy health services are and that we want people to stay at home so the other big issue that has come from that is people not continuing to have their chronic disease like diabetes care appointments. The number of laboratory HbA1c's being done has dropped by 40%. Yeah, I, I did. Um, Greg Johnson, who's the CEO of Diabetes Australia, was on ABC News on a Saturday morning and he was saying something like it's in the high 30, I think 37% of HbA1c's yeah. are down and other things like fasting bloods, cholesterol, those type of things are down 40%. I yeah, I mean, you'd yeah. expect them to be all equally down I reckon. But the thing with diabetes is that at least blood glucose monitoring can give you more information. What worries me is how much extra preparation has been given to people who have been told they don't need to monitor. Yes and we've talked about that in previous And I think it's these situations where you've got a lack of HbA1c's being done but you've also got lots of people who have got problems with their iron stores and other things that those results aren't accurate. So one thing that may happen from this with extra blood glucose monitoring is that there may be an identification of the fact that blood glucose monitoring is more accurate than HbA1c for some people. I guess clinicians out there need to be looking at the blood glucose levels and see if they are matching what people are seeing on the A1c but don't assume that the levels are different simply because there's an assumption that someone has been eating more or put on weight you know you've got to be suspicious that it could actually be the a1c that's been wrong yeah for a long time yeah and we see that all the time don't we? i see it all the time yeah and i'm constantly sending letters back to the gp saying be cautious with the a1c it could be this or it could be that and the person's never been told that before correct so i reckon that could be a bit of a legacy mm. um, but people have to be on the lookout for that one mm. in order to see it what do mm. you think Kiralee? what else some of the problems that i've seen is a uh, not enough infrastructure in place particularly again for the vulnerable people do and you mean like it infrastructure yeah i know the vulnerable people that we've talked about have been the over 70s Mm. they're all sitting at home I'm amazed at actually the amount of people that do have computers that mm. are over the age of 70 more than I expected mm. but you know just being able to have a telephone conversation the really interesting thing is the amount of people that have just been comfortable to do that I had a lady who was unable although she really wanted to get zoom 
um, so that she could have a face to face. No matter how hard we tried, we just couldn't get it to work. We yeah, could video. Yeah, I found that too. That it just seems with some systems, it hasn't been possible. Yeah, she could get the video up, but she just couldn't get the audio. So in the end, we chose to do just mm. a phone consult. The really interesting thing that I've found in the last couple of weeks, with everyone going back to school and everyone going back to work, and a lot of people not working from home anymore, the government have reduced the boosting of the NBN. And so it's slowed down, particularly where I live, and I have had a lot of people reporting it, the NBN has slowed down. So a lot of these face-to-face interactions, a lot of the Zoom meetings and those types of meetings have started to slow down significantly. So Yeah, I had someone the other day who I was trying to connect with, and they were trying to connect with me. I was using Coview, which is the platform used by No Diabetes as well. Yes. And I found that they just couldn't connect. So there are some areas in Australia we all know that are blind spots and that's happening as well what it starts to highlight for the future though if you want a future proof Australia you've got to start decreasing those black spots because we're going to depend a great deal on those uh, capacities to be able to use online communication. We're going to see more online options. So for example, say you've got an appointment, I don't know, with your accountant Mm. and you get unwell or for some reason, say you've had a car accident and you can't drive. Mm. There's going to be the option of doing that as an online consult, but only if you've got the infrastructure. Mm. So I think what COVID-19 has done is it's super boosted showing everybody how much capacity Australia has to use this form of communication in so many different ways. Yes, that's so true. I think that unfortunately COVID is here to stay. So if you're unaware of whether you've got a cold, a head cold, or whether it could be symptoms of COVID, as you say, self-isolating for 14 days doesn't necessarily mean that you should miss out on all your appointments. So you could do that via, as you say, telehealth. But if the infrastructure is not there to facilitate that, Mm. then that's going to be a, a big problem. I see it with people doing the online course I have for disability support workers. What is obvious in that group of people is that they're quite often on lower incomes Mm. and they don't have the access to high quality internet at home with a laptop, for example. So when they're doing their course at home, they're often trying to do it on their phones. Mm. That must be very difficult. And that causes issues because they're meant to be done on a proper computer. So the capacity of what they can do is significantly decreased so you do have these targeted groups and I know they probably won't do this but a stimulus package around building IT capacity would be great the only problem is we don't make the computers Mm. so it's not likely to happen as a stimulus support like it is with the building that people are doing but it is a shame that there's not a way to help people to get that infrastructure so that they can all use it more and people with disability are the same a lot of people with intellectual disability don't have the internet services Mm. it'll also be the same for people with autoimmune disorders Mm. as i was explaining to someone today people with type 1 obviously being an autoimmune disorder will have the capacity to increase the types 
parts of autoimmune disorders. So again, you know, when they're feeling unwell, they shouldn't miss out on their mm. consults. Mm. So they will be more likely to use the infrastructure. Mm by telehealth, those sort of things. So it should stay. So it all depends really on the uh, federal government keeping it after September Yes. as an ongoing part of it. It's also important that it's not only for doctors that it's considered. Very because, much so. You know, I think what this what COVID-19 has shown is that the health system is more than just doctors. Yes, absolutely. And that's a breakthrough, to be frank. Yes. And for people to look at, essentially it was in order to keep the chronic disease management programs going. Yes. And that we were included. ADEA, Australian Diabetes Educators Association, have been able to join with a lot of the other allied health professionals. And they've certainly been leveraged up to be able to get their message across more than they have in the past. That was part of the rise of the CDE, wasn't it? Well, the rise of the CDE, yes. And if we want the CDE to keep rising, (laughs) then we have to also keep talking about the value. And we were talking about this, weren't we, before we started the podcast, about some of the groups that would really benefit from continuing to have telehealth. For for me, one of the big groups would be people who are moving from paediatric to adult services and who are doing year 12, going to uni. We have to stop moving people from one service to another without thinking in a person-centred way how that service fits that person's needs. Yes. I see quite a few young people who are at university because I can give them greater flexibility with the hours. Yes, and that's what that's what we've talked about. I've said for years, I don't understand the word transition, mm. transitional care. Why are we transitioning mm. people? Because we know it doesn't work. It doesn't work in any country. No, and well, because no one matches the person correct. to the service or the concept that that person needs. Yes, and one of the really interesting things that I've found is that people like the telehealth because they can do it from their home once they've got home from work. Mm. And really, if we're doing the telehealth as well as a CDE, Mm. we can do it from our home, then we're not having to hang around at work. And we can just dial in as well, finish the work afterwards when we've had tea, Mm. for example. That's where no diabetes, I think, as a service has come just at the right time and what they're enabling is for people to link up with the CDE because we know that people don't always get told about what we do yes and if you've got someone I've often been had people come and see me who found me via uh, social media Mm. or hearing about me from other people when they're in groups and things and I think we've got to (laughs) your cat obviously is agreeing at this point or disagreeing one way I have to explain, Tiddles the cat is very old. He's 17, bit of a grumpy old man. This time of the night, he starts getting extra grumpy. So I have to apologise. The cat is not in pain. No felines were killed in the process of recording (laughs) Recording the podcast. Just, but, just hungry. <laughs> and you probably heard the dog barking in the background as well. That's Alfie the dog. So you know, this is person-centered, <laughs> person-centered podcasting, podcast. animal-centered <laughs> podcast. <laughs> 
But it does show how flexible everybody has had to become to do our work. And now, you and I have been doing that for years because yep. we've been self-employed. So we know the, the joys and challenges of doing something like that, don't we? We do indeed. So that's some of the advantages of the telehealth. What other advantages have you seen? doing the COVID-19 and telehealth or moving forward? People are also choosing to prioritise their health at times. I think that's very true. The COVID-19 stuff has also highlighted just how vulnerable we are. Yes. And what what makes, sorry, it's tittles again. It's going to make me laugh. But what also I wonder is, are we going to see greater infection control being an ongoing issue where we should have been doing that before? I've already seen that, to be honest. I spent a week in hospital last week, the week before. No, it Just was planned. Holiday oh, yeah, you know. It was it was planned. Um, you know, to get away, thought no yeah. more podcasts. <laughs> Jane, don't ask me to do another thing. <laughs> One of the things that was occurring is, you know, with the pressure cuffs, the blood pressure, and the little trolley that was being wheeled around from person to person, it was wiped down before it was transferred from each person. Mm. Um, and I guess we've never seen that type of... Diligence? Yes, that's a good word. Diligence. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I guess we've never had to before, but you look at influenza. Influenza can occur and across fabric and that type of stuff and plastic very quickly. Mm. And when you're having people being admitted to hospital with health conditions with influenza, then things should be wiped down in between other people. Right through Sarah's life, we did everything we could to keep her out of hospital because we knew she had much more chance of a nosocomial infection, so one that you catch in hospital because of the number of bugs we have in hospital that have become also resistant to antibiotics. And I can certainly remember in the 80s and 90s, you'd get either the antibiotics ready and antibiotics would shoot into the air, for example, as you're eliminating the air after you've drawn it up the infection control has for years not been what it should be yep and so we need to be taking hand washing seriously the trouble with all of the sanitizer stuff is that we're still not saying hand washing is better yes than using the sanitizers yes and what we're also seeing a lot of particularly in pharmacy is dermatological conditions from you know dermatitis on the increase eczema's on the increase and i think that we can potentially overcome that i think a lot of that is from these hand sanitizers because they're alcohol based yeah Uh, simply washing your skin in things like um it's not a baby i'm really sorry it does sound like he's being tortured i know (laughs) washing your hands in in soap that doesn't have a lot of those chemicals in them is still better than the alcohol based and it's the alcohol based hand sanitizers that are causing the eczema and your hands feel cleaner like they do there's only so many layers of that stuff you can have on your hands without yes. feeling grimy guess i hope that people will remember hand washing is still the gold standard well hand washing with soap breaks down the covid layer that's yeah. what they're saying so the alcohol will create a barrier it? yes the... but but it doesn't actually break down the the yeah. covid layer whereas the hand washing for 20 seconds minimum will do so the other thing i'm loving is the can do approach that people are coming up with solutions to issues that frankly have been an issue for a long time yes it's being done 
with a calm, self-assured approach with people wanting to work together. Yeah. And when you compare the introduction of change pre-COVID-19, when it always appeared that there were so many... Barriers. Absolutely. So many Mm. barriers, so much negativity. I haven't heard any of it. Mm. Well, necessity is the mother of all invention, don't they say? So this has just caused us to have necessity. And it's just, it has, people have just got on with it and got on with the job. I've been involved with the federal government and also the state government around the development of the COVID-19 approaches for people with intellectual disability. I have to say, I've never seen them all reaching out so much. Yep. To get um, consumer input and input from people who they know have got experience and something to offer. And I've never seen public servants so excited. Yeah, that's so good. Like, especially federally, the fact that we were able to get emergency approach to COVID-19 guidelines for people with intellectual disability even created and accepted. It was the high-level public servants that were thriving. They were working their butts off. Yeah. You know? Yeah. These people do work very, very hard. But for once, they were getting so much more for what effort they were putting in that it's driven now in a number of areas these new networks that are going to keep having positive impacts on the future as well and certainly getting a bigger focus on chronic disease management for example of people with intellectual disability means that we're going to also increase the capacity of the systems to look after those people with diabetes in the future yeah that's excellent the other thing that i think that it's brought home and that moving forward is that we need to stay connected because i've noticed a real issue with people with mental health Mm. you know people that live alone and haven't been able to get out because they're self-isolating i've noticed a huge mental health issue so i think that that's very important as well that focus of yeah you know, you forget, I think, that because you go to work and then you come home, that it's so important for us to all stay connected and mm. check in on each other. And I think moving forward, people are going to remember what it was like to be locked down. And we're going to be a little bit more tolerant as a race, hopefully, mm. although maybe not with what's going on in America well, at the moment with I the think, riots. I do think that what's happening in America has reached a flashpoint because of COVID-19. Yes, I certainly think so. And I guess we have also some of the minority groups or the lower socioeconomic groups, I would say, have been severely affected yeah, by COVID-19 across the world. I think it's probably just brought home to the front that people have just been pushed to breaking point. Yeah, they've had enough. Mm. And If we don't look after those people who are suffering, your heart goes out to everybody in America. Yes. The people who are standing up for their rights, the people who are trying to support them in doing that and also marching and speaking up. It's just a horrible situation. And we have the same things happen here in Australia. Yes. And our Indigenous Australians need to be cherished, really. Yes. They need to be looked after and cherished because they have so much going against them 
And we know that in the diabetes world. But yes, how much, much do we actually do to really close the gap as individuals? Hmm. Well, certainly not enough. And I hope that what people are seeing in America makes them think, like, do I see Aboriginal or Indigenous people in my service? Hmm. Now, maybe it's appropriate that you don't. Hmm. But maybe you should be linking up with the service to find out how you can work together to strengthen mm. the service with what they're doing. Yeah. I don't know. I think we've got to be careful with what's happening in America and think about it. It needs to trigger us to think about it in our own backyard as well. The other thing I would say is with the mental health side of things, I think a lot of health professionals are feeling very stressed too. Mm, absolutely. Workloads have increased pretty significantly. For many people, it's a whole new way of doing a number of telehealth sessions is hard. Mm. It's very tiring by the end of the day as well. And uh, there's a lot of thinking about how to capture those people to keep them coming to their appointments. So yep. we are going to need a lot more innovation and you were you were talking about how meds checks could be used yes so for the pharmacists that are listening um we can do diabetes meds checks and also meds checks at the moment with people that are at home so the government has allowed us to do those without actually seeing the people usually they have to come into the pharmacy so i think for those that are vulnerable that are not coming into the pharmacy because they may be getting someone else to pick up their medication that i think it's a great chance to connect with people that are at home and to either do it via phone or via the computer system and do by zoom for example and just to check in on these people because mental health again would be part of making sure the person's okay making sure that they're not struggling with their medications making sure that they're connecting with their other healthcare professionals and understanding that that system is one way to then reconnect them with their diabetes cde or their diabetes gp or their diabetes endocrinologist and so that's for a diabetes meds check of course but there's also just the normal meds checks I hate that word but because mm. people think well they're being checked up on <laughs> so you know the pharmacists in the audience could call it something different they could say look I'm just checking in to see if you have any questions yeah, about no. your medications and is there anything that we can help um, checking through is there anything that you need or anything that you require mm. and going through you know are you struggling with taking your medications is there something that's confusing for mm. you all of those things and yeah. then connecting them out with the services that they need because people need to talk about how they're feeling absolutely and I'm going to certainly be using more of the psychology scales yep. to assess where people are at even if you're doing that when you're talking to people the credential diabetes educators I'm talking to more within this probably than community pharmacists but you can email one of these tests for them to do yep and then you've got more information when you talk to them if you can do the scoring on them to see where their mental health is sitting at I got asked the other day the other big thing that's been happening in Australia is the abuse of people with disability we've had a terrible case here in South Australia there's been some with uh, young children dying and teenage boys who were found in a room when their father died Mm. uh, after having called the ambulance. I, I do think that you know as health professionals someone actually asked me the other day they were seeking my advice around how we could prevent this stuff from happening mm. and the person asked me what's what's the role of health in 
identifying these extreme, if you like, loss of contact Mm. between people Mm. with a disability and their organisations. And that's all been really magnified during COVID-19. Yes, very much. You know, pharmacies play a big role in staying connected with people, but so do GPs and practice nurses. And, you know, if you've got someone who has an intellectual disability or who is incredibly vulnerable and you haven't seen them for a while, reach out. Mm. You know, Mm. they should all be having an annual checkup. Yep. And that would pick up some of the issues that we're talking about. So I think COVID-19 has got... But us belly button gazing yep. about the positives, the, the state, negatives, the country, the world yep. beyond. Yep. In between the torturing cat sounds <laughs> that are coming from <laughs> and the, the dog room and the woofer. <laughs> Chatsters. That's about it for P2 chat this time. We got our chat on about all things post COVID 19 or what we can take into the future and make everybody's health, including our own, maybe a little bit better. better. Yeah. So you can don't forget to like us and catch up with us on the website. If you have anything that you would like um, to chat about you can email jane on jayne at edhealth.com.au you can go to the website which is www.edhealth.com.au and search p2 chat it's also available on itunes wooshka and uh what's the other spotify so i reckon that's probably all we have time for today i think it is so we'll be back next edition minus the tortured cat <laughs> and hope that you're all doing okay as well in the middle of what has been i think a historical moment in time very much so yeah kiralee can't <laughs> stop laughing at my cat i need to go outside and actually make sure that it isn't being tortured by the sounds of it <laughs> but for now it's goodbye from me jane lehman and goodbye from me kiralee chambers chat, chat soon, soon. Please note that in the recording of P2 Chat, no animals were harmed or affected by this recording.